Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast, where we take the Word of God and preach a timely message from the pulpit of Victory Baptist Church of Fallon, Nevada. Today, we continue our Hidden Heroes series on the five women mentioned in the genealogy of Christ. Last week, we looked at Tamar. We saw that scandalous sin requires scandalous grace. Today, we're going to continue with the second lady mentioned in the family tree of Jesus, and that's a lady by the name of Rahab. Rahab. When I look at her life, I look and see that God loves, uses, and redefines people with a past. God loves, uses, and redefines people with the past. So we're going to look at Ruth's, uh, at, uh, at Rahab's life today. If you were to visit the headstone of John Newton, you would find this written on his grave. How many of you know who John Newton is? All right, I'll explain in a second for those that don't. John Newton, this is what his headstone says. John Newton, clerk, once an infidel and a libertine, a servant of slaves in Africa, was by the rich mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, preserved, restored, pardoned, and appointed to preach the faith he had long labored to destroy. A look at the life of John Newton, and you would find a man who at one time was an absolute tyrant when it came to slave trading. He was ruthless, vile in his treatment of not only slaves, but of other crew members. But God completely changed his life. And he not only received Christ as his Savior, but he also became a pastor in the Church of England, preaching the gospel for over 16 years. He was also the one who who penned the world-famous song, Amazing Grace. Last week, we looked at that amazing, scandalous grace And today, we look how God loves, uses, and redefines people with a past. Let's pray before we get started into the life of Rahab. God, we thank you for this day. God, I know that today there are people in here who have pasts that are less than stellar, less than beautiful. And honestly, God, many of us can say that our past wasn't great. But I thank you that you are a God who loves people with a past, who uses people who had a past, and redefines our past. What a wonderful God you are. God, as we dive into your word, I pray that if there's anyone here today that does not know you as their personal Savior, Lord, that they're looking at their life and saying, God could never love someone like me. God could never use someone like me. God could never redefine my past because it's far too bad. I pray today that they would see the love and grace of Jesus Christ and receive Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And God, we would thank you for it. Lord, for those who know Christ as their Savior, who are still struggling with living in their past, I pray that they would let you redefine their past today. That God, they would stop using their past as an excuse stop letting their past 
define who they are today and that they would live in the victory of Jesus Christ that you promised them. And God will thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing I want us to see is uh, I want us to see the past defined. In Joshua chapter 2 and verse number 1, look what it says. In Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out of uh, Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went. And they came into a harlot's house, neighbor Ahab, and they lodged there. We come to the end of 40 years of Israel wandering in the wilderness. The leadership has changed, and God has given the command for Joshua to send uh, spies into the city of Jericho. The spies have gone in, and they're trapped inside the city walls for the night. And they find themselves in a very unlikely situation. They find themselves in the home of a prostitute named Rahab. This is how Rahab made her living. And it's what she's known by in the city of Jericho. Perhaps you're sitting here today and you have a past that defines you as something less than the ideal citizen. You have a past and you look at it and you say, God could never use someone like me because my past is awful. Maybe you are, it's not just your past. Maybe it's the life that you're living right now and you're saying there's no way that God could ever love me because of my sin. Because of the way that I am. Because I'm a menace to society. I'm known in the streets as a drug dealer and a drug user and a drug abuser. I'm known as a drunk. I'm known as a person who's not honest, who's a liar. This is what I'm known as. And God could never love me. But He absolutely can. Maybe you look at your past and you feel regret, shamefulness, or that you're disqualified for ever being anything other than who you have been. You don't have to be defined by your past. There's hope for you, just as there was hope for Rahab. Number two, I want us to see a life-altering faith. A life-altering faith. If you continue in the story of Rahab throughout the book of Joshua chapter 2, you see that Rahab was a brave woman. You would have never thought that the spies would be caught being in the house of a harlot because strange men always went in and out of our house. So that was the perfect place for them to hide because nobody would have suspected strangers going into her house as being spies. But the word had been given to the king that two Hebrew spies had gone into Rahab's house. The king sent guards after them, but Rahab, being a wise and brave woman, hid the spies on her roof and sent the guards away, telling them that the spies had left her house and were headed to the city gate. Now, we're not going to go into talking about whether it was right for her to lie or not, because that's what she did. But I'm going to tell you something. God blessed her. And we're going to see that as we continue looking at her story. Rahab knew of God's miracles. I, I want you to imagine as uh, 
Israel is sending in spies to come into the land to see how they can overtake the land. Maybe the officials of, uh, of Jericho thought nothing of it. Looked out and saw Israel's camp on the other side of the Jordan and just thought, those silly Hebrews, what are they doing? But God had a plan. God had something that was going on that was going to forever change the scene of Jericho to the place where today we even sing songs. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. But what's amazing is, is we come into the city and the spies are in uh, Rahab's house And after she has sent the guards away, she's sitting down having a conversation with these spies. And she begins to say, we knew that you were coming. We've heard about all the miracles that had happened. The the parting of the Red Sea and how God destroyed the Egyptians that that were chasing after you. We've heard of all of this, and we were just waiting for you to come and conquer our land. After the guards left and the spies are safe, look at verse number 9 through 11. And she said to the men, I know, I know that the Lord has given you this land. Do you remember what happened 40, 40 years earlier? Moses sent in spies into the land that time. Twelve spies. Ten were bad and bad and two were good. Anybody know that song? <laughs> All right. And they came back and they said, we can't take these people. There's no way we could ever take this city. And God punished them. He sent them into the wilderness for 40 years. But here's Rahab. We don't know what her age is at this point in time. Maybe she was alive when Israel was supposed to come in the first time. Maybe she was born after, but the word has gone around and she said, we know that this land was given to you and that your terror is fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. When you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of the Jordan, Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God He is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Rahab testifies that she knows of all the things that God has done leading up to the spies coming into Jericho. And she also knows that God has promised this land to the people of Israel. She's heard of the power of God to part the seas and his abilities to destroy his enemy. And she's saying, I see all of these things. 
I know what's going on. I know of your of God's miracles in your life. I've seen that. And somebody here today or listening by live stream, you've heard of the miracles of God in other people's lives, and you think in yourself, God did it for others, but there's no way He could ever do anything for me. God is a God of miracles, and He desires to change your life utterly and completely and give you a, a life of blessing, a life of peace, a life that is far beyond your imagination could ever be. But not only did she see that God was a God of miracles, she knew of God's mercy. You see, a lot of times we look at other people's lives and we see the miracles that God has wrought. We see what God has done in people's lives to change them. And we start getting to this place where, where you might say in your mind, there's no way God could ever do that for me. Some of you who you've seen God do that in your life, you were in that position one time in your life where you thought that God could never redeem you, but He did, and you've become a great testimony of all of God's miracles and all of God's mercy. Because let me tell you, you might know of God's miracles, but if you've not experienced His mercy yet, today is the day to experience the mercy of God. If we stop with the knowledge of the miracles that Rahab knew, it would seem like all she knew was the fear that God's judgment brings. Many people look at God and they look at Him as a mighty being that desires nothing but to bring swift judgment and no mercy on their sins. This is a false view of God. You'll hear people say, well, Hey, look at the God of the Old Testament. He was always destroying people here and destroying people there. We look at Rahab, and what does she say? Hey, I heard how he dried up the Red Sea and allowed you to pass through it. I heard how he utterly destroyed the kings of the Amorites. And a lot of people stop right there and say, well, God's just a violent God. But he's not. He's a God of mercy. And all of the things that we see in the Old Testament was all an act to show people that God has mercy on them. But they choose not to accept that mercy. Listen as Rahab continues in verses 12 through 14. Now therefore I pray, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness that you will also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token and that you will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sister and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. And the men answered her, our life for yours. If you utter not this our business, and it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. She says, listen, I, I hid you guys because I know who God is. I've seen his miracles and I'm asking you, would you ask God to have mercy on us because of the things that we've done? And notice she didn't just pray for herself. Who else did she include? Her father and her mother and her household and asked that they would have mercy on her. She knew when she asked that the spies would have mercy. Why? Because she had also seen that God was a God of mercy. You might be sitting there saying, I want that mercy in my life. But, but can I tell you, they also gave her 
in order, did they not? They said there's something that you have to do in order to receive this mercy. We promise you that we will deal kindly with you and with your household, but you cannot say anything to anyone about our business and what we're about to do. God's mercy is the same for you. See, there's a lot of people that say, well, I I believe that God's such a God of love that He would never send anyone to hell. Now, it is not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And God does not send anyone to hell. It's your choice of rejecting Jesus Christ and His mercy that causes a person to go to hell. It is not God's will that you should perish. But he says there are things that you must do in order to receive this mercy. It's not works. It's putting that faith and trust that God is who He says He is and that Jesus Christ died on the cross and was buried and rose again for your sins. And it's receiving Christ as your Savior. But I'm going to tell you something. It's more than just praying a prayer. There's a lot of people who are religious today who pray to prayer who are going to die and go to hell. Because in the New Testament, when Jesus gives his first command, he says, repent and believe. There has to be a turning away from the sin and making Jesus your Lord and Savior. There's a lot of people that they will look at the word. Well, I believe Jesus died on the cross. Great. I believe Jesus rose from the grave on the third day. Great. The devils believe and they tremble. They saw it. They saw it happen. They believe all those things. You can believe everything you want to about God and about Jesus Christ. But without the repentance of your sin, you will die and go to hell. But God desires to have mercy on you. He puts a requirement, though. Just like Rahab was given a requirement. But I also want you to see that she was given God's promise. So Rahab had the faith that God would show mercy. Because even in the stories that she had heard of the parting of the Red Sea and the winning of battles, she knew that the God of Israel had to be the only true God. And since He's the only true God and has shown great strength in Israel, certainly anyone who wanted to worship and serve Him would be accepted by Him. The spies are getting ready to leave their, uh, her home. They're speaking to Rahab and have promised her that they would deal kindly with her, but she needed to act on the faith that she had in God's mercy by following God's direction for how to accept that mercy. Look at verse number 15. Then she let them down by a cord through the window, for her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt upon the wall. And then skip down to verse number 18. Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window which thou hast let us down by. And thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. 
And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head, and we will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be on our head, if any hand be upon him. And then skip down to verse number 21. And she said, according unto your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed. And she bound the scarlet line in the window. So the spies gave her specific instructions. They said, the only way that your household will be saved is for them to enter into your home and to stay in your home. Anyone who is found outside, when the be battle begins outside your home, they will be killed. There's a lot of people who stand outside faith in Jesus Christ. Who say, well, I believe in him. I, see, I, I believe that he died on the cross. I believe he was buried and rose again. I believe those things. But they've yet to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if there is no relationship with Jesus Christ, if you have not entered into that relationship with Jesus Christ, you're just like these family members who be standing in the street in the middle of battle. And the spy said, we'll be guiltless if they die. This is a beautiful picture of Jesus Christ. What color is the cord that's hanging from her home? Scarlet. The color of blood. A line that points directly, directly to Jesus in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And the spies say, hey, listen, everyone who enters your home will be saved. The Bible tells us everyone who enters by faith into a relationship with Jesus Christ will have heaven as their eternal home. But it only comes by repentance in Jesus Christ. And number three, we see a past redefined. A full faith and a fulfilled promise the spies have left. They go into hiding for three days. They come to Joshua and let him know the promise that has been given to Rahab, that if she follows the instructions that the Lord has given her, that her and her family will be saved from the destruction of Jericho. At the beginning of chapter 6 of Joshua, it tells us that Joshua, uh, um, it tells Joshua that the land was theirs for the taking and that they had the sure victory, but that they would need to follow God's plan to win the battle. Now this is also another, this is also another lesson for us. Some of you are battling sin. Some of you are battling your past and you have yet to know Christ as your Savior. But there's some here who know Christ as their Savior and you're battling, but you're not following the battle plan that God's given you. If Joshua had not obeyed the battle plan that God had given him to defeat Jericho, do you think the walls of Jericho would have ever fallen? The same thing with your own life. God has given us a battle plan in His Word for how to overcome sin, how to live in Him, how to abide in Him. He's shown us how to do it, but if we fail to follow the battle plan, do you think you're ever going to have victory in your life? 
Do you think the walls of sin are ever going to fall on your life? They won't. But he's given this battle plan. This sounds like a strange battle plan. They're to march around the walls of Jericho for six days. One time each day. And on the seventh day, they're instructed to march seven times around the wall and then to blow the trumpets and shout before the walls tumble down. Picture now in your head as Israel has just finished marching around the wall one last time and they're about to shout before the walls fall. And Joshua gives this statement. Look in verse number 17 of Joshua chapter 6. And the city shall be accursed, even it and all that are therein to the Lord. Only Rahab, the harlot, shall live. She and all that are within her house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. Take note of three things. In this passage of Scripture, her past still defines her. She's known as Rahab, the harlot. But also note that it was her faith that saved her. Rahab shall live. And then number three, her faith was seen. How do we know that her faith was seen? Do you, do you remember what it said in chapter 2? Where did she live? On the wall. I, I understand the way that Jericho was built. Uh, they say Jericho's walls were so wide around the city that they would have chariot races on top of the wall. All the walls were residents for people who lived inside the city of Jericho. And Rahab lived on the city wall. Well, guess what else we know? Which way do you think the cord was hanging from her window when she let the spies out? Inside the city or outside the city? Outside the city. So imagine now, as you're marching around the city every day, what do you see? You see a red crimson cord coming from the window of Rahab's house. Her faith was seen by others because she lived her faith out. Maybe the reason why you still are living in your past, maybe number one, you don't know Christ as your Savior. Maybe number two, you haven't been following the battle plan that God has given you. You know Christ, but you haven't been following that battle plan. Or maybe number three, the reason why you're still struggling with your past is because you aren't living your faith the way that God has called you to live your faith. You can't continue to live in your past and live in the faith that God is your Savior and your Lord. It's a life of defeat. Her house was on the very wall that the people of Israel had marched around for seven days. 
So every day they would see that red cord hanging from her window as a testimony of her faith in God. We further see three things noted in the rest of Joshua chapter 6, verses 22 through 23. But Joshua had said unto the two men that had spied out the country, Go into the harlot's house, and bring out thence the woman, and all that she hath, as you swear unto her. And the young men that were spies went in, and brought out Rahab, and her father, and her mother, and her brethren, and all that she had. And they brought out all her kindred, and left them without the camp of Israel. Skip down to verse number 25. And Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive in her father's household and all that she had and she dwelled in Israel even unto this day because she had uh, she hid the messengers which Joshua sent to spy out in Jericho we observe her past we observe her saving faith and we see that she lived by faith in these verses but notice that she lived her faith out and it wasn't just her life that was saved her father and her mother and her father's household, everything that she had. God said, I'm going to take all of these things and I'm going to let you keep all of these things because you had obeyed me by faith. All these people will be saved as well. You know why it's important to live out your faith? Do you think that if Rahab had come to them and said, listen, I let the spies out, they told me I have to have this red cord out my window, but we're not going to do that. You just come in my house and we're just going to we're going to be OK. No. Her faith was shown to everyone in that household to the place where they also believed by faith. The promise of God. In your household. Are you living out the faith that God has? Or that you have in God? Are you living that saving faith that God has given you? Are you living that living faith that comes when you come to know Christ as your Savior? That sustaining faith that allows you to live the way that God has called you to live? Rahab did that. And she lived it out in front of all of her household. And what do we see? A household of people coming to know the God of Israel. But not only do we see that um, a full faith and a fulfilled promise, but we also see that faith rewarded. The book of Joshua isn't the conclusion to the story of Rahab. Because we find Rahab in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Just like it was amazing to see Tamar, whose life was scandalous in the genealogy of Jesus, now we see Rahab, who had an awful past in the genealogy of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 5, And Salmon begat Boaz of Rachab, or Rahab, how do we know that this is the same Rahab? How do we know it's the same Rahab in the Old Testament? Well, here's what's interesting. When you begin to look at the original languages, sometimes there's things put in there that we don't see. Right? Every time that Jesus says, I am, he says, I, 
I am. We don't see that in the English language because that would be kind of weird. Right? I am the bread of life. No, it's I. I am the bread of life. Who's known as the I am? So what is Jesus saying every time he says I am? I, I am the bread of life. Well, we have something similar here with Rahab. In the original languages, it's translated from Greek into English, and a look at the Greek puts a definite article before the name Rahab. In other words, a literal translation would be, and Salmon begat Boaz of the Rahab, or that Rahab. Which Rahab? The only Rahab that was mentioned in all the Word of God. There is no question that this Rahab in the genealogy of Christ is that Rahab of the Old Testament. Notice also from our verse, there's a missing title after the name Rahab. She's no longer known as Rahab the harlot. She's known just as Rahab. Perhaps you're wondering what this has to do with us today. This is a beautiful story of God's redemption of a person with a less than ideal past. Maybe you're here today thinking that, that the life that you lived in your past or you're looking at your life today and thinking there's no way that God could ever use me. My past and my present is too horrible for God to ever use. But Rahab shows us that God desires to redeem you, to forgive you, to clean you, and to give you a new life. And how do you receive that life? Just like Rahab. You've got to give your life to God. To call on Him by faith. Ask for His mercy and choose to follow the direction that God gives you in order to be saved from the destruction of sin. Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if I shall confess with thy mouth, confess what? That you're a sinner deserving hell. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. The Lord means that you are making Him the Lord of your life, that you are removing yourself from the throne and you are allowing Him to become the center of your life and allowing Him to sit on the heart uh, throne in your life and have control of your life. This is that stepping into faith, that saving faith that God desires. This is that idea of repentance of our sin and turning towards God, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. There's a lot of people that will confess with their mouth, but they won't confess him as Lord and Savior. For with a heart, man believes unto righteousness. And with a mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Do you know what the word confess means? It means to agree with God that your sin is sin. And that you need a Lord and Savior to forgive you of that sin. Look, it's not... 
It's not going and sitting down with somebody and saying, hey, listen now, I lied 12 times this week. That's not, that's fine. You, you can go do that, but what good does it do you? You can go and you can confess all sorts of things, but if there's no change in your life, guess what? It's not true confession. You can sit there and say, I believe in God and I've confessed that I believe in God, but if you never change, if your life has never changed afterwards, it's because He's not Lord and Savior. You've not repented. You agreed that your sin was sin, but you didn't walk away from it. Rahab had to follow the instructions. Her faith and God was there. But he said, you want me to have mercy on you? Then you've got to do what I ask you to do. She had the faith. She saw all those things. But then she had to obey and say, I'm going to put this cord out my window. And I'm going to believe that God's going to save my family because I'm obeying what he told me to do. In order to know Christ as your Savior, you have to also follow His instructions and confess Jesus Christ is not just a good man, not just someone who died on the cross, was buried, and rose again, but confess Him as your personal Lord and Savior. If you will trust Christ as your Savior and you will choose to live in Him and by Him, and for him, your past will no longer define you. Because your life will be redefined by God. You see from the life of Rahab that God loves, uses, and redefines people with the past. In just a moment, we're going to have an invitation. If you're here today and you would say, Pastor Aaron, I've never received Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. Oh, I, I've confessed my sins plenty of times. I, I believe Jesus died on the cross and was buried and rose again. I believe all of that. But there has not come a point in time in my life where I not only confessed my sins, but I also received Him as my Lord and Savior and allowed Him to have my life. Today is the day for you to do that. And we're going to have a moment of invitation. And if that's something that you know you need to take care of today, I'll be standing here and I'll show you from the Word of God how you can know Him as your personal Lord and Savior. Perhaps you're a Christian here today and you're still letting your past define who you are. You're still living with your past. You don't have to. God will redefine your past. But you have to be willing to follow the battle plan that He's given. You have to be willing to obey the commands that He has shown you. One of those commands is Abide in me. I'm studying this for our coming year. You know what it means to abide? 
to have the same mind of Christ, to work as one, to dwell in, to remain in, to live in, to work through. He says, abide in me. I'm afraid a lot of Christians today are not abiding in Christ. The reason why you struggle with your past is because you're not living through him. You're still living through yourself. You're living with a dead faith, not the living faith that he gave you at salvation. Abide in him. You don't have to let your past define you today. Bring those things to him. Rahab was no longer known as a harlot when we come to the genealogy of Jesus because her past was redefined. Whatever sin that it is that you have in your life, you don't have to be known as so-and-so, the addict. So-and-so, the liar. So-and-so, the abuser. You can just be known as a child of God with no adjective to describe your name. That's what God desires to do for you. With head bowed.